0: Ezra wants us to know that this remarkable story of the return is not so much about all that he did and he did a very great deal. It was about what God did in and through him. If you want to understand this story, Ezra says, understand this, the hand of God was on me.
1: Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. And Colin, there may be people listening today who are facing overwhelming problems, but the message today is one of hope.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I love this phrase that we're going to pick up on in the Bible today, that the hand of God was on Ezra. And... The hand of God is on his people, and that's what makes it possible for us to do what he calls us to do. I mean, otherwise we're really going to be stuck, aren't we, if it's just us. Ezra faced overwhelming problems, and you say, how did he accomplish what he did? Because what he accomplished was quite remarkable, and he's got only one explanation. The hand of God was upon us. That's a thing to pray for. Lord, I'm up against something really hard here. It's more than I can handle. The task that I've been given is more than I can do. So let your hand be upon me. Let your strength be given to me. You know, that is what gives hope. That is what gives courage. That's what gives perseverance. The hand of the Lord upon you. I hope that's going to be a blessing and an encouragement to many through the program today. Well, let's continue with the message.
1: It's from the book of Ezra, chapter 7. As we begin the message, The Hand of God.
0: Here's Colin we've been following the story of 50,000 people who left their homes, their work, and their loved ones in order to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And they did it because God had stirred their hearts. Now, today we take up the story in chapter seven, where Ezra is introduced for the very first time. Chapter seven and verse one. Now, after this, In the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, and then his ancestors are all listed. I'm not going to repeat them. Ezra went up, verse 6, to Babylonia. Now, we saw last time that the story of Ezra, the return, really covers a period of the reign of five different kings. It's a story that goes over a hundred years And the first six chapters of the book are all about the first return, and so Ezra is really telling us the history of what happened in earlier years in the first return. Then in chapter 7, he gets to the second return, and he is introduced personally because this is the part of the story in which he becomes particularly and directly involved now, what do we know about this man, Ezra? Well, first we know that he was a priest and a scribe. He was a priest, and that is the significance of the names at the beginning of Ezra and chapter seven. What he's doing is he's tracing his line of descent all the way back to Aaron, who was the brother of Moses and was the very first high priest. And so what he's telling us is that this man really was of the line of descent from which the priests came. All of the priests were descended from the line of Aaron. And then in verse six, we're told that he was also a scribe. And scribes had the work of copying the scripture, interpreting the scripture, teaching the scripture. And we're told that Ezra was particularly skilled in this work. Secondly, we know about Ezra that he had a very successful career. If you look at verse 12, you will see that that is the beginning of a letter from the king authorizing Ezra to return to Jerusalem. And it begins, the letter, with a formal address. Verse 12, Artaxerxes king of kings at least that's how he describes himself. There's only one who is worthy of that title, but this is how he thought of himself. And notice that he says, to Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of the God of heaven. Now, this is the introduction or the addressing of a letter, and it seems that this was an official title, One Old Testament scholar suggests that this was the equivalent of what we might say today, the Secretary of State for Jewish Affairs. In other words, Ezra was a government official, a very successful one, a well-placed one, which of course is why he would have had access to the king. Now, God often works through men and women in positions of influence, You see this early in the Bible story, for example, in the life of Joseph. You see it later in the Old Testament again and again. Think about the influence of Daniel in the court of Nebuchadnezzar or the influence of Esther in the palace of King Ahasuerus. Here you've got Ezra, a highly placed government official having influence in the time of Artaxerxes. And then later when we get to the story of Nehemiah, we find that he's introduced as the cup bearer to the king. Another very significant position that that man held. Now here's the point. There are no accidents in God's plan. Where you live, where you work, the position that you hold... The influence that you have, it is all part of the purpose of God. And where God puts you in a position of influence, it is always because he has a wider purpose. So we're getting to know this man, a priest, a scribe, very successful career, put in a position of great influence. But the most important thing to know about Ezra, and we're told it six times in this book, is that the hand of God was on him. Let me just point out in chapter 7 and verse 6, the king granted him, Ezra, all that he asked. You say, well, why was that? Well, for the hand of the Lord his God was on him. Or chapter 7 and verse 9, he came to Jerusalem, led this second return And how was it that he arrived in Jerusalem? For the good hand of his God was on him. Verse 28 of chapter 7, Ezra says, I took courage. You say, Well, where did he get that courage from? Answer, For the hand of the Lord my God was on me. You find the same phrase, the hand of God, three times in chapter 8. You'll see it in verse 18, verse 22. And verse 31, now here's the point. Ezra wants us to know that this remarkable story of the return is not so much about all that he did and he did a very great deal. It was about what God did in and through him. If you want to understand this story, Ezra says, understand this, the hand of God was on me. Now, I want to make three very simple observations about the hand of God, it's a beautiful phrase, and then to draw some conclusions with regards to the series as a whole. First then, the hand of God gives us courage. And we'll begin at chapter 7 and verse 6. The king granted to Ezra all that he asked, Why? for the hand of the Lord his God was on him. Now, we saw last time that at one point in his reign, this king, Artaxerxes, had made a decree that all work on the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem was to cease. Now, we're not told when in Artaxerxes' reign this happened, but I'm going to assume, and I think it's reasonable to assume, that this was at the early point of his reign, And since Ezra was a government official, he must have cringed when the king made this decree that all work on the rebuilding of Jerusalem was to cease. Here he is, the Secretary of State for Jewish Affairs, and all work in Jerusalem is to cease. What can Ezra do about it? Well, there must have been a growing pressure in Ezra's mind and in his heart that One day he was going to have to ask the king for permission to lead a second return to Jerusalem. But how could he do this when the king had already decreed that all work on the rebuilding of the city was to cease? Well, no doubt the Spirit of God kept tugging at Ezra's heart. And one day he was given an audience with the king. You have a description of it in chapter 7 and verse 28. We're told that Ezra appeared before the king and his counselors and before all of the king's mighty officers. Can you imagine what that was like? Here's this man, and he goes alone into the presence of the king, but it's not only the king. I mean, you never get a one on one with the king. He's always surrounded by his people, his entourage. And there around the king, as Ezra goes into the throne room of the palace, are all the counsellors, all the chief advisors, and all of the military top brass, no doubt in their distinctive uniforms. Must have been absolutely terrifying. And he's gone into this room to ask the king to reverse his previously decreed policy. How did Ezra do it? Well, he says in verse 28, I took courage for the hand of the Lord my God was on me. It's beautiful. He says, it's as if when I went into that room God himself was standing behind me with his hand on my shoulder, giving weight to my words, affirming what I said, giving me favor in the eyes of the king to whom I spoke. And you know... The Apostle Paul speaks of the same kind of experience. He, on one occasion, was brought to trial. And he tells us that at his first defense in court, there was no one there to support him. But he says, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. It was as if the Lord was standing right next to me. And that's what gave me strength in that very difficult moment of my life. David had the same testimony. He says in Psalm 16, I have set the Lord always before me and because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Now, where in your life then do you need courage? What is there in your life that you know in your mind and heart, one day I need to face up to this, but you think I'm not sure I've got the strength to do it. And I'm saying to you today that if you could see the Lord himself standing right beside you with his hand on your shoulder, you would have all the courage that you need. And that's the promise that he gives to you. I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I took courage for the hand of the Lord my God. Was on me.
1: You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and our message, The Hand of God, which is part of our series called The Return. And if you miss any of the series, you can always catch up or go back and listen again online. Come to our website, openthebible.org.uk. And there you can find all of our previously broadcast messages. You can also find them as podcasts, if that's an easier way for you to access Pastor Colin's teaching. And you can find those on your regular podcasting site. Just search for Open the Bible UK. Back to the message now. We're in Ezra chapter 7.
0: Here's Colin. The hand of God gives courage. That's the first thing. It's very wonderful. Second, the hand of God moves us to serve. Now here I want us to move into chapter 8 of Ezra. The seventh chapter ends with Ezra having been given this permission by the king, gathering leading men from Israel, he says in verse 28 of chapter 7, to go up with me. And then you'll see that chapter 8 begins with another list of names, this time the list of the families who joined Ezra for this second return. And those who joined with him, we're told in verse 15 of chapter 8, they all gathered by a river that leads to Ahava. And Ezra records that when the people who had stepped forward for the second return, they said, we're with you, we'll return. Ezra had a look at who had gathered. Here's chapter 8 in verse 15. As I reviewed the people and the priests... I found there none of the sons of Levi, none of them. Now, why is attention drawn to this? Well, Levi, of course, was one of the 12 sons of Jacob and his sons, the Levites, were all called to vocational ministry. They were supported by the tithes of God's people because they attended to the work of the temple. Some of the Levites were priests if they were descended from the line of Aaron in particular. And if they were priests, then their calling was to lead worship. But for most of the Levites descended from other lines coming from Levi, their work was more broadly to care for the tabernacle early in the Old Testament or the temple later in the Old Testament story. But here's the point. All of the Levites were called by God to vocational ministry. So you would think that when the time came for the return that the Levites would be absolutely at the front. They'd be the first to say, oh, we're going to rebuild the temple. Our calling is particularly to give ourselves full time to serving in the temple. We're going to lead the return and we want many, many others to come with us. But here's the thing. The Levites were conspicuous by their absence, both from the first return and from the second return. We saw in chapter two, when we added up all the numbers, that there was something like 50,000 people came back to Jerusalem in the first return under Zerubbabel. How many of the 50,000 were Levites? Well, the numbers are there. You can check them in chapter 2 and verses 40 to 42. There were 341. 341 out of 50,000? And if you look just before, you will see that the priests were much better represented. There were 4,000 of them, but only 341 Levites, a pretty miserable showing. Now, why were the numbers so low? Well, the answer is surely this, that to be born into the tribe of Levi was a costly privilege. It was a privilege because you were called to serve in the Lord's house. And you would be supported by the tithes of the Lord's people. You were to give yourself wholly to this work and to be free to do so. But it was a costly privilege because if you were a Levite, you were not given a portion of the promised land as an inheritance. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 2. They, that is the Levite, shall have no inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is their inheritance. Now, it seems that what happened then was something like this, that when the time of the exile came, the temple was destroyed, everyone's deported and resettled in Babylon. The Levites, like many others, settled into comfortable lives they would have had land in Babylon. They would have developed some farming, perhaps some business. They would have generated a steady income. And after 70 years of that, well, why would we leave all that we have here for a life of service in the temple and no earthly inheritance? And so... 341 was all that showed up of those who were called to vocational ministry in the first return. And now back to chapter eight, when we get to the second return and they're all gathered by the river and Ezra assesses, now who have we got who's stepped forward? He finds that there are no Levites at all, not a single one. No one showed up. Now, Ezra was not prepared to accept that. And so very significantly, he took an initiative. How can you run the temple without Levites? So Ezra sends a delegation of his leading men to a place called Kasaphia, where apparently there were a large number of Levites who had settled and in chapter 8 and verse 17, we're told the message that they took to this Levitical community. Send us ministers for the house of our God. You imagine this delegation arriving. We come to speak to the Levites. We come to speak to those who know that they are called to vocational ministry. And here's our message. Send us ministers for the house of our God. And chapter eight then tells us that out of this, Ezra got two men. The name of the first was Sherebiah, and the name of the second was Hashabiah. They were Levites, And they were leading priests, chapter 8 and verse 24. One of them known especially for his wisdom or discretion. And with these two came other members of their families, 36 others altogether. So a total group of 38 Levites who changed their minds, had a change of heart and joined the second return. Now, you'll notice, by the way, in verse 20, that there were also a larger group of temple servants who came as a result of this initiative. They were not Levites, but were probably Gentiles who had joined God's people and assisted the Levites with some very basic tasks like cutting wood and carrying water and so forth. But here's the focus of the story. 38 Levites changed their minds and became willing to give themselves to the vocational service to which they were called. Ezra is quite clear about why this happened. Send ministers for the house of our God and by the good hand of God on us, they brought us Sherebiah, And they brought us Hashabiah and with them 36 others who changed their minds and became willing to give themselves without reservation to the service of God to which they knew they were called. When godly leaders presented the challenge, the hand of God changed the hearts of 38 Levites.
1: You've been listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and our message, The Hand of God, part of the series called The Return. We've been hearing how the hand of God gives us courage. Next time we'll hear how the hand of God moves us to serve and how the hand of God is mediated through his word. I hope you'll be able to join us for that. If you ever miss a broadcast, don't forget you can always catch up or go back and listen again online. Go to openthebible.org.uk Or find us as a podcast on your favourite podcast site. Just search Open the Bible UK and subscribe to receive regular updates. Open the Bible is supported entirely by our listeners, people just like you. And as we begin a new year, if you'd like to support Open the Bible in a regular way, you can do that by setting up a regular donation to Open the Bible of £5 per month or more. In return, we'd love to thank you by sending you a free gift, and that's a book called Psalms by the Day. It's by Bible scholar Alec Motier. Colin, what makes this book so special?
0: Oh, without question, that it was written by Alec Mateer. And I know a lot of folks listening to the programme won't know that name. But, you know, when I was a teenager, I used to listen to old cassette tapes of Alec Mateer opening up the scriptures. I used to sit with a typewriter and I've still got notes that I made from all those years ago. And he has been a lifelong guide through the scriptures for me. I buy anything that was published by Alec Mateer. He's with the Lord now, but he was a godly, wonderful, wonderful scholar and preacher. And this book, on the Psalms that takes you through the Psalms. You can read one a day. He gives his own translation of the Psalms that just brings out some fresh meaning. He comments on words and applies them and some of his devotional thoughts, just the applications that he makes, from the Psalms are just wonderful. Any time I'm speaking on the Psalms, I go to Alec Mottier as one of the sources and I find invariably that he gives the most wonderful help. So this is a great resource. It's something that's very rich in my life and it's just a joy to me that we're able to share it with others.
1: Well, again, the book is called Psalms by the Day by Alec Mortier, and it's our gift to you if you're able to set up a new donation to the work of Open the Bible in the amount of £5 per month or more. Full details on our website, openthebible.org.uk. For Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and I hope you'll be able to join us again next time. How can you know more of the hand of God on your life and ministry? Find out next time on Open the Bible.